Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Take your Bibles, go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. And I just want to say thank you again and so much for being here this morning. I trust that uh, you're ready to listen to the Word of God. If you did not receive a copy of the handout this morning, the insert that's in that handout, our men are coming forward and they would love to give you a copy of that. Just raise your hand. They'll help you with that. We'd like for everyone to be able to follow along this morning with uh, the, the message. And so thank you men so much for all your help this morning. John Selwyn was a was a young man, and he was known for boxing. He was quite a boxer. Uh, he had a reputation for being a very proficient boxer. In fact, nobody wanted to mess with John Selwyn. But as a, a young man, uh, the Lord called him into ministry, and he became a missionary, and uh, the Lord began to use him. One day, uh, John uh, was in the mission field, and and uh, he had to rebuke and talk with uh, 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 someone who had come uh, to one of the services and it was causing some disturbances there. And he rebuked this person and, and, um, and this person resented the advice and he angrily struck Selwyn a, a blow to the face. And he, uh, in return, the missionary, he merely folded his hands and he humbly looked into the man's eyes. And with all of his boxing skill and still his powerful muscles, he could have easily knocked out that antagonist. But he didn't. He actually, the story is told, turned his cheek so that uh, this assailant could strike him on the other side of his face. The man became immediately ashamed of what he had done and he ran out into the jungle. Years have now passed. The man accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior and came into the church and was given an opportunity to give a testimony uh, of what had happened into his life. As was the custom in this African country, whenever someone trusted Christ, they would usually take a Christian name. And so there in the church service, after having given the testimony that he had trusted Christ, uh, they asked him what was the name that he would like to choose. And he said, quote, yes, call me John Selwyn. He's the one who taught me what Jesus Christ is really like. The fact of the matter is that every one of us, we are representing someone. And I wonder this morning how you are doing of representing Jesus Christ. Our passage of Scripture this morning is found in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 10. And if you're visiting with us, we have been going for several months now through the book of Matthew, verse by verse, phrase by phrase, and where necessary, word by word. And so we're picking up with our study right here in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 10, three verses this morning that all go together. The word of God says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you 
and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Then there's an interesting word here. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Father, would you help us in the quietness of the moment and in the next few moments to hear from you. Lord, you speak through your word. You speak through a vessel. And may I simply be a vessel that's hidden behind the cross. And so, Father, I pray that you will encourage us through your word. Help us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. The last of the eight Beatitudes says this. Blessed are they which are persecuted. Remember, the Beatitudes are merely a description of the believer, the saved person. And if you're saved this morning, there are some characteristics that we've learned that should be a part of your life. You will be poor in spirit. There will be mourning. There will be meekness in your life. And there will be a person that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. There will be a person that is merciful. There will be a person, as we looked at and discovered last week, that will be pure in heart, uh, uh, a peacemaker. Uh, And if we live according to the first seven Beatitudes, we will automatically experience the eighth Beatitude. It is like an equation, if you will. Uh, Be the person verses 3 through 9 speak of, and the world will reward you with persecution in verses 10 through 12. Doesn't that sound like an awesome deal? But it is true. It's interesting to me in studying this, what we've learned over these past several weeks is that in the first seven Beatitudes, the word blessed is only used once. But when we come to this passage of Scripture, the eighth Beatitude, it mentions it twice in both verse 10 and verse number 11. It is as though Jesus says this, you are doubly blessed if you experience persecution for my name's sake. And as we have done with the previous seven messages, we're going to go on a journey of discovery. And this morning, let's uh, continue that journey of discovery, looking at number one, the reality of persecution. The reality of persecution. Now, under this uh, uh, discovery here, I want to point out several things. Uh, First of all, the Bible is explicit. A righteous life will produce persecution. A righteous life will produce persecution. Paul even writes this. He says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Paul did not say might. There's a possibility. He says that if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will experience persecution. Going on in this passage, he mentions the persecutions and the afflictions which came to him in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. It's a guarantee that anyone who truly lives for Christ will experience some type of suffering, tribulation, trial, persecution. Paul knew personally what that was all about, and we learn much about the Apostle Paul from his own trials and tribulations. He wrote this, But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit. Even so it is of now. There was a Christian man. He accepted a a new job, and he had learned that where he was going to work, that these men that he would be working with, they were of some type of vile nature. They loved to curse and and speak the Lord's name in vain, and he was a little fretful and anxious when he accepted this new job. 
And uh, he had completed his first day of work. And he came home, and what met him was his wonderful wife. And she said, uh, she said, how did your first day go at work? And here's what he said. He said, wonderful. They never guessed that I was a Christian. How sad. And I think that there's a lot of what we call closet Christians. We're thankful we have something called a, a life insurance policy uh, that's going to get us to heaven, but, but hey, we can never let anyone know we're a Christian. You will get along fine with unbelievers as long as you live like an unbeliever. May I just say that again? You will, you will get along fine with unbelievers as long as you live like an unbeliever. However, when you begin to live a life of obedience to Christ, you will live out these seven Beatitudes that we've before preached messages on. And this eighth Beatitude you will find here, and you will share the reproach of Jesus, and you will find that he was, that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit. Secondly, I see here under our first discovery is that the Bible provides explanation. The Bible provides explanation. And that is to oppose the world will result in persecution. If you oppose the values of this world system, I can assure you that it will result in some type of persecution. If you do not experience persecution, it's probably because the world does not realize that you are a Christian. Now, can I just be blunt this morning? I'm going to be. There are some here, right here this morning, that you've worked five, seven, ten years at your place of employment. And if I, as your pastor, were to walk in and I were to call your name, we have lots of John, so I'll say, John, hey, tell me about John. Do you know where he goes to church? Remember, you've worked five, seven, eight, ten years. John goes to church? Oh, oh, wait, maybe we're not talking about the same John. John, he, he works over here in this corner office, and there's his name, John, and I call your last name. And, and I say, yes, that John, do you know, he's a, he says that, uh, that he loves Jesus, and he comes to church, and he says that he ties at our church. And that John, you ought to hear his language. He's a Christian? I'm wondering this morning, if the world does not know you're a Christian, it's because you're afraid to speak up for Jesus. Or it's possibly because you're not really a Christian. The world does not care if you go to church. The world does not care if you read your Bible. The world does not care if you pray. Here's when the world cares. The world suddenly cares when you live out what you learned at church. When you live out what you've read in the Bible. When, the, when, when your prayers are actually uh, affecting the hearts of other people and God is answering your prayers. That's when the world will suddenly care about you. Several years ago, there was a filthy movie that came out on the screens. And a number of pastors uh, uh, got together and they said, listen, we want to stand publicly and we want to oppose this movie and uh, that was coming out. And so those pastors there in Tampa, Florida, they got together, together, and uh, they talked to their church people about it. And they said, we, we are standing against this movie. It was a, a movie about a Las Vegas stripper that had nudity in it and, and uh, had gratuitous, gratuitous sexuality in it. And, 
uh, and so uh, actually the, uh, the, the boycott, if you will, the, the, the church is standing up against it, that, that the local newspaper columnist wrote an article that these pastors were censoring movies. And, and listen, that writer could have cared less about these pastors until they stood up. Too many Christians, they compromise instead of confront. It's easier to be complacent and apathetic and do nothing. And we do not take a stand because we do not want to be persecuted. We do not want the world to to somehow say something against us. We're not uh, persecuted because we uh, fail to truly live out the word of God in our life. Oh, Moses is a great example of one who took a stand in the face of persecution. He stood against an entire country, the Egyptian society. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11 uh, that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. I'm reminded of the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor and he was a seminary professor in pre-World War II. Germany he lived, and while the other pastors and religious leaders pacified the Nazis, he was unashamed, and he publicly stood against uh, 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 Hitler, and he was arrested, and he was imprisoned numerous times, and finally he was executed in May of 1945, just before the end of the world. What was his crime? He stood for Christ, unapologetically, refused to bow to, to Hitler, You see, Jesus faced persecution because his righteousness confronted the religious leaders. And the same was true of the apostles. And the same has been true of all of Christ's followers these last 2,000 years. Folks, this is perhaps hard teaching. Uh, it's, the real, it's, it's the real stuff of why we come to church. And that is, is that we cannot be ashamed of Jesus Christ. I've already bragged on you. Your singing has been amazing today. There are times that you could come to church and you wonder where you are. Your mind's wandering somewhere else and, and, and not singing. Today, that's not the case. There was excellent worship today and excellent participation. But I wonder if you could do that outside of these walls. I wonder if you would be like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer and willing to stand in the face of an entire nation that was bowing to Hitler. I'm wondering if today it makes you uncomfortable when this pastor stands up here and says, this person or that movie or this organization is godless. And you say, oh, I can't believe he said that. That's going to be a live stream. People know I go to that church. The Bible provides, number three, evidence. The Bible provides evidence. To trust Christ will result in persecution. Paul wrote these words, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed uh, thereunto, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. Trials and tribulations are part of the Christian life. And Paul makes this truth crystal clear when he wrote to the Philippians, persecution is what he called a token of perdition or judgment for the lost, uh, but for us it is a proof of salvation. You want to know if you're really saved? You want to know if you're really in the family? Stand for Christ. See what the world says. Stand for Christ 
and see what they say. James 4 says this, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is... At in, is like an enemy, it says, is at enemy with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is, that little word there, is, a person who is a friend to this world, this world's systems, this world's value, is the enemy of God. I have used Henry Gonzalez as a testimony before. He serves as one of our deacons, and he serves in the prison ministry, or serves as, a, as an officer in the prison, um, and often has Bible studies. And I want to tell you that in the prison system, Henry can tell you to stand for God. There's people that don't like him. But also, he's been able to stand with God, and he's been able to see many men come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Uh, I know this, Henry Gonzalez is not the enemy of God. He's a friend of God. And I'm thankful for that testimony. Again, I ask you, if I came into your workplace, would anyone even know that you're a Christian? Would you be embarrassed for me to come in? The Bible says this, love, not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow. Verse 17 has this, the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. A few years ago, being a Christian was popular. By the way, that's changed. As we draw closer to the end, persecution will increase, and Jesus called this period the beginning of sorrows in Matthew chapter 24. May I just be really up to date with you right now? We're living in that right now. The world is gathering. How is it even possible that in the United States of America, tens of thousands of people could rally against Israel? It's godless. It's wicked. It's wrong. And by the way, this pastor is always going to stand on the side of Israel because they're God's people. And our church is going to stand that way. And if you want to be a part of a church that loves God, we love Israel as proof that we love God. Because God said that he's going to bless the nation, and I believe that means that he's going to bless the church that blesses Israel. But all across the world this weekend, they gathered by the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and a, a total number to support Hamas and the Palestinian people who are the enemies of God. My friend, I just want you to know that we're in the beginning of sorrows. I don't know the timetable. I, uh, the Bible says that even Jesus doesn't know. But I think we're all smart enough to see where we are inching, if not running, toward the end. I see the Bible provides exposition. Exposition. What do I mean by that? That is that a Christian will acquire persecution in different ways. Uh, there's not one type of persecution that I could say this morning is for all. It, there will be different uh, contexts. There will be different means. There will be different methods of persecution today. Back in our text, verses in Matthew chapter 5, the word when in verse 11 can also mean whenever. 
All believers will not be in a constant state of persecution. In fact, we live in the United States of America. And and in reality, we're not in the Middle East, where people literally, if they say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, they could die today. The reality is, is that we live in a blessed nation. Never forget that God has blessed us because our country was founded on the truths of the Word of God. They're sliding. It's eroding away. There are people now that are falling away. May I just say that that all believers will not be in a constant state of persecution. We should not seek persecution, but we should understand uh, that when persecution comes, that I persevere whenever it comes, the Bible says. A Christian in Paul's day may have been called upon to build a pagan temple. A Christian man today may be asked by his boss to do something that's dishonest or shoddy work so that they could increase a profit. A Christian woman may be ostracized for her modesty or refusal to laugh at some type of crude talk. Christian teenagers today are often rejected and marginalized and made fun of if they try to have sexual purity and morality. Teenagers don't give in to the peer pressure of the world. In this discovery, I see there's a second discovery on this road of discovery. And I'd like to examine the root of persecution. The root of persecution. Persecution is rooted in multiple methods. Well, first of all, there are going to be physical attacks. We know that. We know that in parts of the world, like the country of India, where we just went earlier this year and had a mission trip there, that in some of the very, very churches that we had our feet on and we stood behind the pulpit, they have been burned to the ground. We know that that happens, that there are physical attacks. That word persecution comes from a a Greek word which has the idea of chasing away or pursuing. Therefore, physical persecution means harassment or abuse or destruction. All the other Beatitudes had to do with their inner qualities. And this one speaks of results of living out those attitudes. And why are Christians willing to face persecution? Because verse number 10 says, we do it for righteousness sake. We are willing to face it. We're willing to face persecution. I do not, I do not want to face persecution. I don't want someone to shoot me or cut off a hand or, or to behead me because I follow Christ. I, I don't want that. I don't want to be tarred and feathered and burned at the stake like the early Christians. I, I don't want that. But in my heart of heart, as I stand here before you today, if someone says that you have to deny Jesus Christ, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing. What would it take for you to say, oh, no, listen, I just visited that church. I wasn't really, I wasn't really a true member. I sat in the back, you know. Sorry, my mother and father-in-law sit in the back. I didn't mean anything about that, but, you know. I kind of hid in the middle. I'll fix it there. (laughs) You know, listen, listen. I only went on Sunday mornings because my mom and dad made me go. I wonder when we face persecution how quickly we will deny our faith when it comes. You see, in the early church, people were stoned. In the early church, people were covered in pitch. And they were used as lights or human torches on the streets. 
In the early church, people were burned at the stake and they were fed to lions and they were wrapped in animal skins and they were thrown to the wild dogs. Aren't you thankful this morning we don't live in that society? It could come. We're blessed this morning. Often our idea of evangelism is is this. Uh, We'll become really close with someone and we hope this. This is what we're hoping. We can sneak in the gospel. They don't really know we're a Christian Because we'll go act like them and we're hoping that there's that perfect opportunity when I can just kind of wiggle it in there. Do you know, have you ever been to church or have you ever heard about Jesus and we hope we can be a sneaky Christian? My friend, the world doesn't need sneaky Christians. We need some Christians who are bold and unashamed in their faith. I wonder this morning, are you willing to face physical persecution if it comes? Oh, there's going to be verbal assaults. Most of us in our lifetime will never face a physical persecution. We will not. Let's be honest. But there could be verbal assaults. People, the Bible says here, he, Jesus said it. People will say all manner of evil against you. We will be reviled. We will be insulted. Um, I remind you that Jesus was spat upon and he was beaten. And the soldier asked him, hey, prophesy. Tell us something that's going to happen. The Bible says people were wagging their heads and they taunted him as he hung on the cross. And some said, he saved others. He can save himself. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, unto angels, unto men. This should happen to us, that we could be insulted for being a Christian. And someone uses their tongue, their words, to demean you and your church and your God. Um, I just... I just want to challenge you, that's a compliment. It's a compliment if someone has a problem that you are a Christian. I wonder when you are, when you are insulted for your faith, uh, uh, what your reaction will be. Uh, may I just tell you, here's what your reaction should be. Take heart, you're on the right track. There also is going to be false accusations. Most of us will never have physical assault. Many of us will have verbal assaults, but there could be false accusation. Verse 11, Jesus said this, people will speak evil against you falsely. And there's going to be that happening right here among our church. I know that that has personally happened to me, and and it's happened by people in, in this church or former members of this church. I know that that can happen. This means that People say things behind our backs. People said of Jesus, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. They said that uh, about Jesus. It's interesting that people will speak falsely of us, but here's what Jesus says. You're blessed. That's his response. It's a blessing if people say things falsely. Arthur Pink, I love reading him, he wrote this. It's a strong proof of human depravity that men's curses and Christ's blessings should meet on the same person. When people say false things about you because of your faith, take heart! You're on the right track. For those who cannot bear the thought of being persecuted, I have included something in my message to be a help to you this morning. So, If you've been sleeping, you've you've been daydreaming, listen. I want to share with you how you can never be persecuted. Would you like to hear that? Would you like to know how you can never be persecuted? Let me give you a couple thoughts. Persecution can absolutely be avoided by you. 
Here's first of all, approve the world's tactics. Approve the world's tactics. Just live and let live. Do not disapprove of anyone. Do not be a prude or a killjoy. Just go along, get along, accept anything that happens in this world. Approve the world's ethics. Secondly, accept the world's standards. Accept the world's standards. You will never have to worry about persecution if you will follow this formula. You watch the movies and you watch the TV programs and you read the books and the magazines and and you look on the internet and you follow and accept whatever the world's standards are for you. You can laugh with the comedians, you can absorb the talk shows, and soon you live as they live. And third, I want you to avoid, at all costs, to avoid persecution, you must avoid mentioning your faith in this world. Avoid it at all costs. Uh, I, I know that some of you, you're already really good at this. Because if you allowed me to come to your workplace and I ask your coworkers if they know that you are a Christian, they would be, oh, he's a what? She's a what? She uses the same language that I hear on the television. She tells me about what happens on, the, on these shows. Because she is accepted and approved of the things of the world. On the other hand, I know that I'm speaking to the majority. I say, on the other hand, to all of you this morning, examine to see if you're in the faith. And if you're in the faith, be willing to stand. Jesus is serious about faithfulness. He said, for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory. I do not want Jesus to be ashamed of me. He will. I'm going to be ashamed. Because there are certainly things that I have done and said and reactions I've had. and I, I, I've asked him to forgive me. I, I, I have, I've asked him to forgive me, but there's going to be when I see him, I'm going to go, oh, I, I'm so sorry and embarrassed by some of the things I've done in this life. But I'm trying today to live my life so that he will not be ashamed of me. He said this, woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. I want you to look at this verse right here. If you get nothing out of today, I want you to notice Luke 6 and verse 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. When everybody likes you and nobody has anything negative to say about you, woe. You better watch out. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Well, my time's going by so quickly. Let me hurry it up here this morning. Discovery number three. Well, I want you to notice the rewards of persecution. If you are persecuted, there is an expectation that something's going to happen in a positive manner. And the Bible teaches us that there's going to be some rewards of persecution. Verse 10 and verse 11 says that we are blessed because of persecution. This is the only beatitude with two blessings. And it seems that we're doubly blessed when we stand up for the cause of Christ and we're willing to accept verbal assaults and we're willing to accept those uh, uh, physical assaults and we're willing to accept those false accusations. The Bible says we're going to be doubly blessed. We know that God blessed Daniel in the lion's den. And we know that God blessed Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. Verse 10 says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I say this morning that persecution is a sign. It means there's an assurance of our salvation. Those who stand will be persecuted and you can take heart. I know I am a believer. Persecution results in a millennial rule. In Matthew, uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 4 it says that faithful believers that lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Be faithful now to be a ruler 
with Christ for a thousand years. And thirdly, persecution refers to eternal rewards. As Jesus prepared to leave his disciples, they were afraid. They were anxious. He was the rock. He was steadfast in their life. And whatever he said became truth. Jesus said this to his disciples. Men, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes on to say, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he said to his disciples, I will come again. And I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Eleven of the next twelve disciples died because of physical attacks. One of those was under house arrest, and he wrote for us so much of the New Testament. I'm here to say that we're going to walk among those 12 disciples, and Jesus is going to be there, um, and he's received them unto himself, and one day we're going to rule and reign a thousand years with these folks. Discovery number four. I, I call this the rejoicing of persecution. The rejoicing of persecution. What should our attitude be when we face persecution? Jesus said these words. He said, as I, as I said, look at this verse here. He said, rejoice. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Rejoice. That word there is what a person does when he hears good news. You got to raise. Uh, your physical turned out okay. You closed on your new home. You passed the final exam. Whatever, you rejoice, you're excited. Well, when a person faces persecution, we don't think about rejoicing. But the Bible, through Jesus, his very own words, in your red letter edition of the Bible, Jesus, with his very own words, he said you should accept persecution like good news because you're on the right track. And he says this, be exceeding glad. That phrase there means this, overjoyed. Be overjoyed. Persecution is not just good news, it's a cause for celebration. You say, Pastor, you are crazy. Well, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. He says here, he gives us two reasons. He says, for great is your reward in heaven. You want to have a reward in heaven? Live for Jesus now. Make your decisions for Christ now. May your earthly relationships be what Christ has told you they should be. May your relationship with his book May your relationship in your prayer life be as it should be. Our life on earth is short, but may I just remind you that heaven is eternal. And what you do in this life right now greatly determines how you're going to live for all of eternity. When's the last time you invited someone to church? Apparently, there's a lot of you inviting people to church because we're always having visitors. I say thank you. Thank you so much. I, I'm so thankful. Do you know there's a man in our church named Andrew Dawson? And Andrew Dawson, of course, he, he just smiles all the time. I, I've, I've never seen him not smiling. He's always smiling. He seems like he's always happy. He really seems like he loves Jesus. Do you know what he does? He's always inviting people to church. And he's, he, he, he just loves telling people about Jesus and his relationship. And he does that in his business life, in his personal life, in his family life. I'm thankful for that testimony. How about you? When's the last time you invited someone to church? Great 
is your reward in heaven. Hebrews 12 says of Jesus, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he has now sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus loved us, but he was able to endure the cross and, the, and that shame by remembering the rewards that awaited him as he would be seated at the right hand of his Father. The Bible says here through Jesus' own words, the second way we rejoice is this, is so that for so they are persecuted, they the prophets who which were before you. When we are persecuted, we are in good company. When you are persecuted, you're in the same company as a Daniel, a David, a Paul, a Peter. Hebrews 11 gives the whole, we don't have time to read the whole chapter. I encourage you to read it sometime. It's, like a, it's, it's really like the hall of fame of people that were persecuted and gave their life. But just listen to three verses here. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Man, who would want to sign up for that? Great is their reward in heaven. Let me just give you... Three parting thoughts, and I'll be finished here. Just what can I take from this message? The eighth and final beatitude. If you are going to live a life for Christ, number one, expect to be persecuted. Don't be surprised. Expect to be persecuted. If you're never persecuted, you're off the right track. Uh, we are persecuted because we confront instead of compromise. And there's some folks that you've never told anyone in the workplace and you are hoping that, that someone will tell your family because you don't want to tell your family that you're a Christian. Listen, expect to be persecuted and don't be surprised when it happens. Number two, God blesses the persecuted. As simple as it can be, God blesses the persecuted. Hang in there. Trust the Lord. Rely on his goodness. Be a Daniel. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, and uh, he wasn't alarmed. He wasn't wor worried. It was the best night of sleep he had ever had in his life. As he laid on top of those lions, he kept warm all night long. It was an awesome night of sleep as the king fretted and walked up and down all night long. Be a Daniel. The rewards, number three, are what? worth the risk. The rewards are worth the risk. There was a Christian back when there were kings and he was unashamed of his relationship with Christ. And the king, because that he was always talking about this Jesus and he was always uh, talking about Christ, the king threatened to banish him if he did not stop preaching. He said, Sire, you cannot banish me, for the world is my father's house. The king then said, I'll confiscate all of your possessions. And this Christian preacher said, Sire, you cannot confiscate my possessions because my treasures are laid up in heaven. The king said that he would make him live a life of isolation then, and he would separate him from his friends. And this Christian preacher said, Sire, you cannot remove me from my greatest friend, because he lives within me. And the king in exasperation said, Then I will have you killed. And the Christian preacher said, You can take my breath, but you can never take my life, for it is hid in God through Christ. I don't want our church to be persecuted. 
I do not want you to be persecuted. But are you willing? Are you willing to experience verbal assaults and false accusations because you have a testimony for Christ? And God forbid that it comes in our day that we have physical assaults, but it could come. Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Here's what Jesus said. If you suffer persecutions and trials and tribulation for my name's sake, you are doubly blessed. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Let's all be Christians willing to stand for Christ. Would you stand with me? Thank you so much for your great attention. I appreciate it. In just a moment, we'll be dismissed, but I don't think it'd be right to be dismissed before we have this opportunity. I want to ask you very directly as you're looking up here, are you willing to stand for Christ? And what that means is that I can't be ashamed in my hobbies. I can't be ashamed in my family relationships, whether you're dating or you're engaged or you're married. I can't be ashamed of Christ. I can't be ashamed of Christ in the workplace. Now, that doesn't mean that every day you're, you're preaching a gospel message, but there ought to be a time when you said, I, I can't laugh at that. And there's got to be a time when you have co-workers that are taking the name of God in vain that you excuse yourself and leave. And they ask, why did you leave? And you say, because I love the God of heaven so much that his son died for me and I can't listen to you take his name in vain. When people are using vile, vile language in the workplace, God help you if you say that you're a Christian and you turn around and use the same vile language. That's what I mean. Are you willing to stand for Christ? I don't mean stand for Christ that there's going to be people out here with stones and going to stone you. I don't mean that. That's not going to happen. But in the workplace and in your family and in your neighborhood, it could absolutely happen that you need to stand for Christ. And unashamed. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the piano begins to play, I'm wondering right where you are, are you willing to say, God, whatever you send my way, I'm willing to stand for you. And maybe God forgive me for not having the testimony in the workplace and I've let some words slip out that I'm embarrassed and I've laughed at some things that were ungodly and perhaps I've done this or that, but God forgive me right now for that and help me tomorrow when I go to work to stand and that my co-workers see that I'm different. Lord, if those verbal assaults come, help them to roll off me and not attach themselves. And if someone says something falsely, oh Lord, help me to stand and not retaliate. That's the prayer. Are you willing to stand for Christ?